This is a three Sunday uh, message. Uh, these are a little bit shorter than what we normally do around here in terms of a series, but we're doing a series basically on stewardship, and we don't want you to be afraid of that because it's it's a uh, you know if you're a guest this morning we we just want to you know that you've won the grand prize. You visited church on a Sunday when we're preaching about money, so I just want to apologize on the front end for it and tell you that uh, this is not an attempt to kind of get our hands in your pockets and shake you down before you leave. As a matter of fact, we say every Sunday, the, the local folks will bear me out on this, if you're a guest, we're not asking you to participate in our offering at the end of the service. Your tithe belongs in your local church uh, where you are a member of. Or if you're a guest today, this is not for you in terms of uh, the offering at the end of service. So this message is not about trying to get more money at the end of the service in the offering today. I will never apologize for what God's Word says because there are principles that are in there that will teach us and show us how we can have lives that are filled with peace and joy and manage all of the resources which He has given to us uh, if we can just take some time to learn some of these principles from the Word of God. This is a Greek word which you see here. I've superimposed a dollar sign at the end. Uh, it looks like oikonomos. Some of you might be familiar with the new Greek yogurt that is, that is called oikos. And technically that's a mispronunciation because oikos is not anything in Greek at all. It's an, an unintelligible word. It's, it has an O that there that's silent on our English transliteration. Don't let that throw you. We do, do that a whole lot in English. There's a K in no when you know somebody. There's a P in pneumonia you don't say. Uh, all kinds of things like that in letters. Uh, there's a G in gnat that you want to go, okay, the gnats out here are awful. Um, but there are, there are a lot of letters that we use in our language that are silent and we don't uh, necessarily sometimes can't explain why they're there. And so that would be in this English version of this word, the O is silent and it makes a long uh, E sound. So let's say economos, say it with me, economos. So when you see that, you can just about hear the word economy, okay? What looks like oikos, oiko there in that front part, the prefix ekos, literally means house or family, household. It's a word used to describe the tabernacle of God. It's used to describe in the New Testament uh, the household of faith. Paul talked about that. This word that you see up here actually is the exact word for steward. So we're talking about stewardship. Last week we talked about the importance of a whole life concept in stewardship. It's not just about money. Last week wasn't about money. And I told you then that today's message will concentrate specifically on how we manage our finances. And I think we need some help. I think America needs help managing finances. I think the average household uh, carries in excess of about $5,000 uh, in no collateral based, uh, basically unsecured credit based on credit cards. Uh, and, and I think that when we go through difficult seasons and we have a downturn in the economy, a recession, God forbid a depression, lots of folks get laid off, then Really, the, the, the difficult time that we experience is really not what causes us the problem. It just identifies how uh, shoddy our own financial house has been built. Okay, Last week we talked briefly about, uh, it's in uh, Matthew 7 and Luke 6, where Jesus said there are two, two men who both hear my teaching. He said the only difference between the two is the wise man hears the words and puts them into practice. He's like a man who digs down deep and builds his house on rock. The rains come down, the floods came up, they, built, they beat against the house, but his house stood strong. The foolish man hears the same teachings that Jesus gives, 
Uh, he may probably says amen. He sits in church and even shouts about what he's hearing, but he does not put them into practice. He's a hearer and not a doer, okay? And he's like a man who goes out and builds his house on the sand. And you know the story. The rains come, the floods come, beat against the house, and they destroy it. A lot of times we're praying against a storm when we ought to have been putting our energy into building a stronger house. Because the house reveals the architectural integrity, I'm sorry, the storm reveals the architectural integrity of the house that we're building. Now, I'm not talking about a piece of real estate. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about this house. This is my house in which I live. Last week we talked about the importance of stewarding everything that God has put into my care. God owns everything. Everybody say ownership. Number two, He's put some of those things into my care. Everybody say responsibility. Now, He's going to basically call me to account for how I've handled the things that have been put under my care. Everybody say accountability. That's the third principle of four pillars of biblical stewardship. Number four is, uh, is the idea that God has final say on how I've handled my stuff. Everybody say reward. So if I work hardly as to the Lord and I realize that this is not just about money, it's about my family, how I manage my relationships, how I treat other people, uh, how I deal with my career. Am I being a faithful steward over my health? The breath in your lungs this morning is a gift from God. If you realize that, say amen. amen. You woke up in your right mind. Most of you did. There might be one or two that I'm a little bit concerned about. I'm just teasing. But you're in your right mind. You're breathing today. And you're breathing because God let you breathe. You, you, you don't know. Your, your, your days are numbered. They've been written down in the book of God. I don't know how long I have, and I'm, I'm going to make sure that I live it for the sake of the kingdom of God. I'm going to live it with an eternal perspective. Okay? So I'm not just living in the moment the way we're taught to, to do in American culture, but I'm living with eternity in view. I'm living with heaven in mind. I'm living with Jesus Christ and His Lordship as a, as a very critical factor in my life. So this morning as we jump into this in part two where we are going to specifically deal with finances for just a few moments, I'd like if you would now that you've gotten really good and comfortable, stand up with me one more time. We're going to grab these three verses. We have two that are our series text, 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2. Find a screen where it's comfortable for you to see and read out loud with me. Come on, everybody, heartily. Here we go. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and what? Stewards of the mysteries of God. There's the word right there, economos, stewards, managers, economists, okay? Next verse. Moreover, here we go, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. Another translation says faithful. Everybody look at your neighbor and say we need to be faithful. All right, go ahead and throw up the next one. Our message text is one verse today. This is Matthew chapter 6 verse 20. Reading from the ESV, here we go together. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. God, help us today. We just submit our hearts to you. Thank you for your presence in this place this morning. We thank you that your grace is so indescribable and so amazing, your love for us, that let us stop for a moment and realize that there is nothing we can do right now to make you love us any more than you already do. There is nothing we can do right now that can make you love us any less than what you already do. 
God, that's overwhelming. It's like the, the wave, a monster wave of the ocean that just bowls us over. And we fall down and are just bathed and baptized in the grace of God. Your unmerited favor and your power to be and do what you've called us to be and do. Jesus, thank you for that gift because of your sacrifice. You laid down your life for us. Teach us, even as 1 John 3.16 says, Even as the Son of Man laid down his life for us, so ought we also to lay down our lives for the brethren. God, help us to do that in this church, to love the people of this city to love the Delta, West Memphis and Marion. Lord, we just ask you right now that you move in our hearts, that you draw and work by the Holy Spirit. I just acknowledge that I cannot do anything apart from you. You are the only teacher. Be the voice within my voice. Penetrate the hearts today and the lives of these people, Lord, who are hurting and that are wounded and Lord, that are desperate for guidance and direction and for instruction. Some of them this morning, Father, need desperate help in their finances. And God, this may be just the word that would turn them in the right direction on a new path. We'll be careful to give you the praise, Jesus. We ask you to, for all of these things, in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. you may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. I really don't like to talk about money. Um, I grew up in a church in Memphis that was forced by the neighborhood that they had built in to build way beyond their means. A tremendous move of the Holy Spirit of God had really sort of just been poured out and blown through that church. And it was a place of great comfort and strength and lives being changed. And uh, they literally had given to them an old mansion over in the Hind Park area of Memphis. We're talking old Memphis, serious money. And it was, it, it burned in, uh, in the 1968 riots when James Earl Ray shot Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And the city was in the midst of the, the old um, sanitation workers strike. And the kind of rest that we saw, I remember as a youngster, I was about seven years old, and the fear that was in my parents' eyes, I see it really sort of around us right now because of what just happened recently in Ferguson, just some of the things that have erupted in Memphis here lately. The state of the economy, a hospital that closes in our city, just our own economy, and everybody's worried about insurance and the fact that Obamacare is kicking in now. I don't know about you, and I'm not going to make this a political commercial, but we were all assured that it wasn't going to change our rates. I don't know about yours, but mine have doubled. It's crazy. Nobody can afford that. So we've whittled way down and gone down to a much, much different kind of policy with this outrageous deductible that we have to meet. And so those are concerns that I personally have over finance. Uh, like yourself, you know, as a man of God, uh, just having Jesus in my heart and being called to pastor doesn't mean that I get an automatic kind of a Midas touch blessing and that I don't really have to struggle to, man to manage my finances I mean, to tell you the truth, I'm just like you are. And sometimes I have too much month at the end of my money, just the way you do. And learning to put God first in the middle of that and learning to trust God, learning to go back up and go, okay, now why did I end up here getting an emergency fund in place, not extending myself in too much credit, been there, done all of that, 53, got several T-shirts, been in all those races. 
Lost a number of them. And uh, right now I'm in better shape than I've ever been in my life, period, financially. And it's because I've been trusting God and I've been working hard to, to get some goals met. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about that personally this morning. Money is, not, is a hard topic to discuss because we have been so bombarded on Christian television with if you don't give, we're going under. And I'm telling you, when I hear that, I want to go, maybe you need to go under. Because I just want to let all of our guests and everybody who, who's been around here for a while know, let me just tell you, if, if this thing is ordained of God, it will go whether you give or not. And I refused years ago, whether, I refused years ago to, to catch people at the door and stick my hands in their pockets and shake them down and make them give a bigger offering. I grew up where they would take an hour to take the offering. That is not an exaggeration. My brother Dewey were here, he could tell you he sat in the same services. And if, the, if that first one didn't take up enough, they'd take the first one. And if it wasn't enough, they'd come back and tell you again, okay, you got to give before you leave. I mean, that's how bad it was. It, got, it was so ridiculous. The city made them build way, way, way beyond. And instead of having some wisdom, they stepped out, quote, in faith. Kind of before um, Kevin Costner made his movie, they sort of had the if we build it, they will come mentality. And, and there are a lot of churches going under these days. I've, I've sat with bankers. They're excited. They want to loan us money because we've, we've not done this jumping out uh, too soon before our time. And we're doing it very frugally. We're doing it with faith in God, but we're doing it with a whole lot of wisdom. It's been our approach. And they were t just this week met with two VPs from Regions Bank and talking to me about how many churches have been foreclosed and really what they're looking for. And they said, you know what, you guys really are, are, are in good shape and we're excited. We're excited to talk to you. We just want you to know there are a lot of more hoops that you have to jump through because so many churches have closed their doors because the economy's bad and people have not been able to give. And I just sat there and thought, thank you, Jesus. In the middle of this, we've seen our offerings go up. We've seen the Lord bless. We've seen God bless people, bless businesses, bless them with new jobs. At the same time, we know that there are people right now in this congregation this morning that might be struggling, and we're here to walk alongside you and help you. And we always want to make sure that if anybody in the house has trouble putting food on the table, feeding babies, keeping the lights turned on, let us know. We're here to help you. We want to stand with you, and uh, we, we want to be what the church is supposed to be. Um, it, I, I would be remiss... I'm almost reluctant to go through some of these because if you've watched very much Christian television, you've already heard some of these statistics. They're, they're true. They're, 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 they're biblically verifiable. Jesus talks more about money than he does heaven and hell combined. You read the New Testament, there are more verses about money than Jesus talked about prayer. As a matter of fact, money is the second most talked about topic that Jesus had outside of number one being the kingdom of God. Think about it. Just check the parables. How many times he's talking about giving this guy five talents, this guy two, this guy one. That doesn't mean he can play the piano and type fast and he can stand up and speak. It's not talent like that. It's a weight of gold. It's a piece of monetary value. It's an investment. And you've got all of these folks that are, that are doing, a, some doing a good job, some not doing so well. And he's always talking about how you have to learn to be able to manage what has been put in your hands. We can't get caught in the comparison trap thinking, I have this much and look how much he's got or she's got. Because guess what? Every one of us right now have what God has given to each of us based on our own ability. Some people don't like to hear that. When it, the real truth of the matter is 
I believe in stewardship theology. There is a poverty theology that takes out all the scriptures where you basically have the idea that if you, if you don't have anything, you're more, more holy than everybody else. And there are all these other scriptures over here that are all about prosperity, and the guys who preach those ignore the poverty scriptures. And so they you know, just sort of press everything back to this extreme on this end. And years ago, I began to see the word and stopped acting like a lawyer taking my case to God and quoting the verses that supported my issue. And I started looking at the whole counsel of the word and I realized that what I had right now was as much as God could currently trust me with. Now some of you are glad to hear that. Some of you, that's not good news. Now guess what that means? It means God is expecting you as a steward to learn to be faithful with what you have. My son decided that the... Uh, plastic sort of rubber basketball wasn't good enough because all of his friends were getting, were getting leather basketballs. And I, I too many times it had to go out into the yard and pick up the, the rubber basketball and bring it into the garage. And I just said, why would I buy you a $100 basketball when you're not taking care of the $25 one that I've given to you? How about you learn to be faithful in the little things and guess what? You'll be rewarded with much. That's a kingdom principle. That's how we learn how to discipline our children. Discipline's not a bad word. It's a positive, wonderful word that helps us to learn how to take responsibility for greater things, greater areas. Uh, more opportunities arise and become part uh, uh, of our future when we learn how to be part of the solution right now instead of part of the problem. Come on, don't shout me down. I'm preaching real good. Three things that I want to give you real quickly this morning. This is the scripture, the word of the Lord. 800 verses are dedicated to money in the Bible. Money's not bad, it's how we use it that can be. Money's not good, it's how we use it that can be. Money is neither moral nor immoral, money is amoral. It's the person that uses the money that determines whether it's going to be for good or bad. You can pay to help a family that's in poverty to feed a baby with your $20. Or you can give it to a drug dealer and get you a little hit of something that'll give you a little temporary kind of feeling. And then we'll be praying for you later to break your addiction to that nonsense. So money can be good, money can be bad. It's determined by what the hands of the user that are doing with that money. Somebody say amen. Three principles really quickly. Number one, you will master money or it will master you. Look at the screen, say it out loud with me. Here we go. You will master money or it will master you. You cannot serve two masters. Strange statement that Jesus makes. He never says that about anything else because it's obvious to us that you can't serve God and lust. You can't serve God and power. But there's something deceitful about this idea of money that gives to us. Matter of fact, Jesus said, you know what? It has the ability to choke out the Word of God in your life. The very seed that has the power to transform and change you, it gets crowded out by the weeds from the cares of this bios, the cares of life, the deceitfulness of riches, the lusts for other things. The parable about the seed and the soils. He deals with money in the middle of that. Why are riches deceitful? Riches are deceitful because they can lure me into thinking that they can answer for me everything that I need. They can make me think that I can buy happiness. They can make me think that I can buy some peace. And people sitting in the room this morning are buying peace currently through maybe a medication. And if you need it, then stay on it. But tell me, let me just tell you, let me just tell you right now, we are so quick. We are so quick to just put a pill on whatever problem we have. 
when I'm convinced that if we would learn to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts and to not lean on our own understanding and all of our ways acknowledge Him, He will make your path straight. He will direct your paths. If you're crazy, go on and take your medicine, okay? We want you to. Now, I, that, that, that's a joke, and I really, let me just back up and say, I, I really, I felt convicted. I'm serious. I'm, as soon as that came out of my mouth, that was not the Holy Ghost. That was Dennis the Menace, and I, I'm truly, I repent. I'm sorry. Because people are anxious. People are upset. People are worrying. Listen, there is a very real physiological condition called depression. And we are not in any way. I, I want to just back up and, and restate what I just said. Listen, when you are facing those kind of things, you deal with what you need to. I'm talking about the people on the front end that just, rather than really deal with life, want to just sort of medicate it. And we can medicate it with drugs. We can medicate it with alcohol. We can medicate it with illicit sex. We can medicate it by going and just buying a new blouse or a new pair of shoes or as brothers, like the big ticket items, like we said last week. We fuss at our wives because they shop, shop, shop a little bit. But when we, we shop! Here comes the boat pulling in on the back of our SUV. You know, they spend $100, $200. We spend $15,000. Hallelujah! <laughs> And, and then we're experiencing the anxiety because of not being able to pay our bills and the debt that continues to increase. And we're leveraging our futures, really honestly, not because of things that we need, because of things that we want. And we've convinced ourselves. We, matter of fact, we've turned a whole new vocabulary. I really need that. And we tell ourselves that and we go get it because it's so easy to, to get financing. It's so easy. Let me just, before I get ahead of myself, look at this. The issue isn't actually money, but it's how we use it. The issue isn't actually money, but how we use it. Listen to 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. I've heard this verse misquoted so many times. I was, I was in the mall here a couple of weeks ago and standing in Macy's and, and, and people are having a conversation and somebody said, well, you know, money's the root of all evil. And I just, I, and I just said, no, I'm not going to get involved. And I just, <laughs> I am not that guy. I am not that guy. I, I refuse to be that guy. And sometimes I nearly bite a hole in my cheek or in my tongue trying to keep from being that guy because I want the Word of God to be represented correctly. And people misquote this verse so many times. It's not money that's the root of all kinds of evil. It's the love of it. How many of you know you don't have to have any of it to love it? You can be poor as Job's turkey, as my granddad used to say. I don't know how poor that is, but it sounds pretty poor. Poor as Job's turkey. Now, he was a rich man, but then when he lost it all, it was pretty, pretty rough. So you don't have to have any of it to love it. Two things are indicators for us in terms of how we're handling it. Number one, are we greedy? Proverbs 15, 27 says, Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household. Too many times I, I, I deal with, with young people who have been drawn into an opportunity. It's always really couched in very great glowing terms. And, and Pastor, I want you to see this. I really want you to get in on the ground floor with us because this could really be a great blessing to you and to the church. And if we can get all the families in the church involved, and I'm, and I'm going, oh my Lord, help me I'm, 25 years pastoring, and I've seen so many pyramid multi-level marketing schemes have come through, and so many times. I remember one time we'd seen 20 minutes of a nice presentation. 
lovely couple are sitting in our home, and I just finally said, and my wife just hung her head. She knew it was coming. And I just said, please tell me this is not Amway. Now, if, if you like Amway, great. But most people who sell it lose their friends because they wear everybody else out about How many of you know what I'm talking about? And that thing has remorphed so many times. It's become 21st century leadership team. I mean, it's like every time you turn around, it's got a new name because they, it's like they're reforming. And, and, and it's, it's just not just that. There are a couple of people on the planet that have made it successfully at that. A lot of people have invested in a lot of products and are still have them sitting in their back of their closet. Seen it all come through here. We've seen water filters and we've seen New Skin and Avon and Sarah Coventry. I remember a few years ago where some of our shepherds had to get some folks because we had some people that actually rolled out a Sarah and Coventry presentation out there where they're supposed to be greeting guests that are coming in and they're pulling them over, pulling them over going, hey, you want to buy some jewelry? And I said, you better shut that thing down. Get it out of here. <laughs> and just the things that people do to make an attempt to try to just make another buck. And it's crazy sometimes uh, with these get-rich-quick schemes. And notice they all play in the middle of the night. You want to know why they play them in the middle of the night? Because they know that people that have anxiety because they can't pay their bills are sitting up awake and they're ready to hear somebody tell them how they can make their first million. Don't listen to it. Are you hearing me? If it's too good to be true, if it sounds too good to be true, it is too good to be true. And that's what so much of that stuff promises you in sort of a short time. Just unjust gain, just an attempt to try to make a real quick buck fast. Or to buy yourself a lottery ticket. Do you know that I read an article just this last week that said statistically... Whether you buy a lottery ticket or not, your chances of winning are the same. You'll get that in a minute. Hoover ever, Hoover, the rest of this message will be in tongues. Whoever is greedy, whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household. Wow. A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. 1 Timothy 6, 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Hebrews 13, 5. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Now come on, that will give you some peace. That will help ease your anxiety right there. All right? America is consumed with this idea that more is better. Listen to this quote from Karen Ramsey. We don't know that name, Dave Ramsey with Financial Peace. Everything you know about money is wrong is the name of the book. She says, our culture has at its core the idea that more is better. Many of us design our lives around this belief, and yet the underlying qualities that truly affect happiness are not advanced one whit by having more material things. More peace of mind is gained by allowing ourselves to be satisfied with what we already have. More joy is not bought, it is found in our hearts. Say that last line with me. More joy is not bought, it is found in our hearts. But yet we are just driven to the point that every one of us have closets that are just bulging and overflowing and we have reality TV shows about people who can't get rid of anything and they're hoarders and they're buried alive and all of their stuff. 
God help us in America in this culture. We've come to the logical conclusion of this consumerist, materialist society in which we live. Now we need to learn to let go of somebody. We need to learn to be generous. Everybody say the word generosity. Listen to Acts 20.35. In all things I've shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus how he himself said it's more blessed to give than to receive. Man, I heard my parents saying that growing up and I was just going, no, no, give me presents. I I like to receive. I'm a kid. I'm just a punk, you know, okay? Now, I'm 53 now. I've got a couple of years on me and there's not a whole lot that when it comes time for birthday or it's time for, uh, you know, Christmas, I'm not interested in a whole lot of stuff. You know, give me some new socks, a couple new pairs of underwear. I'm sorry if that's a little bit too plain, but I mean, that's pretty much the guy thing, you know, Just, just keep the drawers stocked. That's, that's, that's great. I, that's plenty. You know, I, I have all kinds of clothes. I mean, my goodness, I'm a fat man. I have clothes in five sizes. Um, <laughs> nobody has more clothes than a fat guy, okay? So c- can I be a little bit real with you this morning? Uh, when I find myself in a place where things are tight, and I don't mean with the clothing, I'm talking about when things are, are tight and constrictive, restrictive financially, and I don't have the ability to to write a check to a charity or to give into somebody's life, I'll deliberately start giving and start thinking of a seed, sowing a seed. I'll gather up stuff out of my closet and take it down to the 8th Street Mission and go, God bless somebody with this. I'm sowing a seed. Let's get some, some return on this, some investment coming back and some movement into my life with the blessings of God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's, it's an awareness that we don't live out of need consciousness, but we live out of seed consciousness. You sow The kingdom of God is about sowing things, sometimes out of your own need. Scripture says if you're going to have friends, you must show yourself what? That means if you feel alone, what do you need to do? You need to give some friendship. You feel like you don't have any. You go, I I don't have any. I'm bankrupt in friendship. Well, guess what happens? When you start giving out of your own need and you start thinking in terms of seed, Jesus has a way of using this whole reciprocal process in the kingdom of God. Given it shall be given shaken together, pressed together, all of this running over, dumped into your lap, he says, that if you'll give, God will cause it to be given back to you. And the reason it's a greater blessing to give than it is to receive is because, guess what? You're going to receive more than the person that you're giving to. It's an amazing thing for me. I don't care about stuff anymore. I want to have time with my family. I want to enjoy friends. I want to sit down over a cup of coffee and maybe a meal together at Christmas Yeah, let's open a few gifts, but man, the real thing is to spend time together and to laugh and to cry and to remember family and mom and dad and grandparents and all these beautiful things that money can't buy, all these wonderful things that that you can't slide the plastic and bring this to you. It's something that that, that, that you can't work more hours for. It's something that it's, it's a gift that God has given to us. Come on, somebody, say amen. All right, number one, we're talking about generosity. Number two, principle number two. You can't master big things when you don't master the little things. Say it out loud with me. Come on. You can't master big things when you don't master the little things. We want to look to Luke chapter 16 verse 10. Faithfulness in little things is itself a big thing. Faithfulness in little things is a big thing. It's huge. Listen to what Jesus says in Luke 16 10. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. One who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you've not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? So Jesus starts to talk to us about the importance of management. 
It's the importance of recognizing that there are opportunities every day when I can be faithful, I can be trustworthy, I can, I can tell the truth, I can have integrity, I can represent the, the answer on my income tax in a proper kind of way, I can, I can be a blessing to others in ways that, that God will be honored. And, and many times, sometimes it's just being faithful in the little things. Um, you know, somebody said, you know, Pastor, I really, if I could win the lottery, I would love it. And I've had people jokingly say this. They said, you know, I'd love it if I could win that hundred million. I'd give the church ten million. You can build all the buildings you want to build. And sometimes I want to go, okay, great. You'd give ten million on a hundred million, but can you give ten dollars on a hundred now? Okay. Now again, guest visitors, I'm not even talking to you. You just kind of get to listen. But this is a biblical principle. Can you be faithful right now with the, the little things, with the $10 on the 100? Let's be true. Let's tell the truth. If we're not being faithful right now with the 10 on the 100, we wouldn't be with the 10 million on the 100 million. Am, am I helping somebody this morning? So that's the way we need to be aware of. It's like somebody said one time, if you watch the pennies, the dollars will take care of themselves. And I, I think that there is a truth to that in terms of managing a local house, taking care of your own personal finance. You're very aware, you, you, you're, you're cognizant of what's coming in and what's going out. And, and maybe there are some of you this morning that aren't, and that the first thing you need to hear is, guess what, saith the Lord thy God unto thee, get thyself a budget, saith the Lord. <laughs> I just prophesied to you right there. What do you think about that? Amen. Management, listen to me, Luke 14, 28. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. There's no way you can figure out whether you're spending more than you're making if you don't have on paper what's coming in and what's going out. Uh, a lot of people don't ever sit down and do that because they're afraid of what the bottom line is going to show. Let's just tell the truth. And if you don't take the time to ever sit down and do that, then you're guaranteeing that you're, 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 you're going to mismanage this. And guess what? We're going to stand before God. This is not a salvation issue. This is not about whether you get into heaven or not. If Jesus is Lord of your life, that question's already answered. But the issue of rewards in terms of how you've handled your time, your talent, your treasure, have everything to do with the rewards you're going to enjoy on the other side of glory. They have everything to do with whether or not you're going to be a smart financial person on this side, whether you can have peace in the middle of an economic storm going on all around us. If you build your house right, everybody else is praying for the storm to end. Guess what? You've got a storehouse. Listen to what this says. I want to jump down to saving. Listen, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. Proverbs 13, 11. Listen to the next one, Proverbs 21, 20. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Look at your neighbor right now and say, don't eat all your seed. You need to save some. You need to think about a rainy day. You need to think about a difficult time, an emergency fund. Okay, We're, we're, we're looking at the, the importance here of paying attention to what's going in, what's coming out. Listen to what Benjamin Franklin, a founder of the nation, said. Beware of little expenses. A small leak will sink a great ship. Sometimes you get enough of those little things that are going out, and it adds up in a hurry. You know, I don't know about you, I love coffee, but when I started to realize that a caramel macchiato every day, five days a week, not only adds and invests in the waistline, 
But we're talking about about $25 a week, and it's about 100 bucks a month. And when I said a cup of coffee one time a week at Starbucks, five days a week, 20 times a month, that's not going to happen. We're going to have to change that. I got delivered from that. Jesus set me free. That's my testimony. Once like a bird in prison I dwelt. That's what the old, the old hymn says, he set me free. I learned to make my own coffee and add my own little flavor to it at a much more reasonable price. Anybody hearing me this morning? Somebody said the art is not in making the money, but it's in keeping it. A lot of folks can do great at making it, but it just flies out as soon as it comes in. Man, I feel like that sometimes. I'm busting it. I'm pastoring this church, doing all I can to grow it. Praise God. Thank you for the blessing that is there because of that. Teaching a few piano students, trying to add a little bit to it. Teaching a history class. Just, I believe in multiple streams of income. If you can do that, take whatever your gift is, whatever your talent, and leverage it for the purpose of the future. I've got, a, got one in college right now, and they're real proud of their education where she's going. And we're trying to do everything we can to have as few student loans as we possibly can. And, and the whole point is, is it costs money to live. And the Lord knows that. But how I handle, how I manage, what I do with what I've got is definitely going to affect not only my current, but my, my present, but my future. It's going to affect my children, my grandchildren, whether or not I have something to be able to give to them. What does the scripture say? That it's, it's that a faithful man, a wise man, leaves an inheritance to his children's children. A lot of folks these days are just leaving a stack of bills to their grandkids, to their children. God, help us. Help us to get set free from that. Help us to get set free from the need for instant gratification where I feel like I've got to go shop and buy in order to give me one more fix. And I like new stuff as much as the next guy does. Am I helping somebody this morning? Debt. Listen to what Romans 13 says. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Verse 8 of Romans 13, hear it. Owe no man anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. I don't believe it's sinful to have debt. I don't think it's possible in America, unless you came from a wealthy, moneyed family, to just outright pay cash for a house. Most of us have to finance our homes. We have to finance our automobiles. Although there are ways that you can do things differently. Let me just say this. I've not bought a brand new car since the 90s. I'll go buy one that's a year old with 10,000 miles on it. Already knocked the depreciation off. And, you know, sometimes, let me just say, as bad as the economy is right now, there are times when you can get one zero percent you know, for 60 months. But the whole, the whole issue is, is a lot of times, instead of thinking economically and getting something in our range, we'll say, hey, there's no interest, and I can go get the top of the line. And debt is really, really easy to get into. It's very difficult to get out of. And we get trapped by the debt monster. Uh, we will utilize the, the tool of debt to, to build this church building, but we're not going to do it to the degree that it's going to ever make this the situation where I have to get up and go, okay, guys, you're going to have to give another offering before we we're, we're We're gearing it right now so that it will fit where we are financially. We're already paying $3,000 a month for this termite-infested spot that we're in right here. Okay? So that goes a pretty good, nice little ways toward the, the payment on owning a building ourselves. And years ago, people said, well, don't you have enough faith? I said, yes, I do have faith, but I also have some wisdom. And so the way we've done it now, we will be able to do and have something that's very nice 
and we won't be handing a great big debt burden to our children. Are you hearing me this morning? And we do it. We do it so often. We do it so much of the time because there's zero interest and no payment for 36 months. Come on, buy all this furniture you want. And guess what happens? People don't make payments for 36 months and then the interest that's 29.9 rolls in and hits them square in the face. We don't care about your credit. We care about you. And most of the time, when your credit's that bad and you have to go to that kind of a situation, you're going to be paying an interest rate so outrageous that it's just about going to kill you. We're not talking 6 and 8% or 10 or 12 or 20. We're talking 25 and 30% interest at some of those places to go get your car. I know nobody's saying amen, but I'm, I'm helping somebody. Easy payments, easy lease, 60 months, no interest. Thomas Jefferson said, never spend your money before you have it. We are leveraging our futures. There are two ways to lose a friend. One is to borrow, the other is to lend. <laughs> Psalm Proverbs 22.7, the rich rules over the poor. The borrower is servant or slave to the lender. If I'm free from economic slavery, if I'm free from the burden of debt, I'm free to be able to do a whole lot more in terms of the leading of the Holy Spirit in my life. I want to take 30 seconds and share with you my testimony. Five years ago, we were in a pathetic place. Been laboring for years, pastoring this church, not really making enough. I'll just be honest with you. Dawn has worked all these years, 20 plus years now, teaching school, just trying to raise kids, never lived extravagantly, never had anything that was, you know, anything that could be said over the edge. Just trying to raise good kids, put them in a decent car. Both of them drove old clunkers when they started out. We bought Abby an old 1982 Mercedes 300D. Now, don't, don't be impressed because I said Mercedes. This thing was held together by Band-Aids and a prayer. <laughs> Paid cash for it. We said, you're going to drive this through college. If you handle it well, then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about getting something different. Okay? And same thing, Drew had an old truck. I think it was like 1987 truck that we bought. Just paid $1,000, paid cash for it. Uh, no, it was a couple thousand. I'm trying to remember now. Anyway, so just watching these kids drive these things and have their fender benders and hit the ditch and plow through things and just praying, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Help. The reason we had, couldn't buy them a brand new car is because we were paying these ungodly insurance rates. I, I, it would, it would, some of you have a heart attack if you heard the insurance. And mine won't touch it. I got my, my buddy Wes Bell back there on the back row with three boys in the house and, and paying thousands of dollars to have all of them insured. And that's just, you, you can't do without it. You have to have it. I'm, I'm going, how do you do that? Are you following me this morning? We're in a place and just trying to get by. And before you know it, if, you know, we've got the lure of some credit cards and the water heater goes bad and the transmission has to be replaced and the wreck comes along. We've got to give them another car and there's a down payment and I'm trying to keep from you know, cutting into any kind of little bit of savings we've got. And, and it just happens. It starts to pile up. It starts to mount up. And before you know it, it's not just the average American 5000 and a few bucks, but it's tens of thousands of dollars that we're up to our eyeballs. And in, in school, and I went back to finish, get a degree, a graduate degree, a master's degree, and all these things are all just rolling through and we're you know, doing the very best we can. And I just realized we were at a, at a moment that if we didn't make some choices, that everything that I've labored for, now there may be people in the room who've had to take the route of bankruptcy. And Jesus loves you. He doesn't love you any less because you have. He doesn't love you any more if you never have. 
But I felt like as a leader, as a pastor in the community, I couldn't go that route. I said, if I do that, it'll, just, it'll, it'll be a bad mark on the name of Christ. We don't need another preacher going bankrupt. I just said, we're going to have to do something different. And we cut things back. We turned things off. We started cutting down. I, I, I worked some extra things that I could just to make some extra money. Took a few more piano students. And I want to tell you how faithful God is. Five years ago, we set ourselves on a course to totally get out of credit card debt. Next month, in the month of October, I make my last payment. It's gone. Now, my cars are all, they're paid for. They're old. Got an 08 Jeep. I mean, everybody's driving something, you know, that's got a few miles on it, and we're just praying, okay, God, let's just keep some repair, enough money to keep repairing. For the, how many of you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I'm just, I'm just being real with you. I've struggled. I've made poor choices. I've made bad decisions. And we've had to sit down, and probably more, more tension has been in my house over finance than there has been anything else. And I'm thankful that the last couple of years, man, my wife loves me. She's excited. She sense she feels secure. It's just such a wonderful place to, to not have the kind of tension that we used to have because our lives were falling slap apart financially. It's real quiet in here this morning, and I believe I'm injecting a little bit of hope into somebody. You might be looking up through the bottom of the barrel right now, might be staring bankruptcy in the face. Whatever it is, wherever you are, God is able to show you how to get out of the mess that you're in. Come on, somebody. And the gospel touches all of these things. All right, let me wrap this up. Are you getting anything out of this? Last thing, you can't really master anything until Jesus masters you. I can't really master anything. I, 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 can't, I can't defeat a, a bad habit. I can't break an addiction. I can't really master anything that's going to require a huge amount of discipline and willpower until I let Jesus get in my heart and really master my life and make Him first place. That's the thing that's going to give me the grace, the strength that I need to be able to accomplish what I need to. Look at this and we're finished. The location of your treasure is an indication of your heart. Read that out loud with me. Come on. The location of your treasure is an indication of your heart. Listen to Matthew 6.21 as they put it up on the screen. Look at this. Jesus said, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, you know, it's, it's just too easy for people to say, Well, you know, I, I, Pastor, you know, I really have a heart for the things of God. I really want to see the youth ministry grow and my kids are in it. And, and I'm going, okay, great, man. Jump in, serve, help us out, maybe, you know, give, whatever. And none of that is ever out of compunction. We're not ever doing any of that out of manipulation or obligation or pressuring anybody to do anything around here. We're very careful not to do that. And, and sometimes people will say, well, this is really where my heart is. Dr. Billy Graham said, if you really want to show me where your heart is, then show me two things. Show me your checkbook and show me your calendar. Where you put your time and where you put your money reveals where your heart is. Where are the dollars going? Where are the minutes and the hours going? There's nothing wrong with having an interest, whether it's on the golf course or hunting ducks or catching fish or any of the things, and all of those areas can have very expensive toys that come along with them. 
Nothing wrong with any of that. Be blessed and do it. It it amazes me how much money you can spend just going and getting a good set of camo if you're going to go to the woods. And then you're going to need a gun. And you're talking about at least three or $400. And really the kind that most guys are going to want are going to be $900, $1,200. Okay, well, you want to chase a little a white ball up and down some nice greenery. You can't get a starter set for $99. You're probably going to spend about 1000 bucks on a good set of golf clubs. Nothing wrong with that. Enjoy yourself. Have a great time. Ride your motorcycle. All of that. But the whole point is, is that in the middle of all of these things, does God come first to us? And this is not about making the tithes and offerings go up here at Victory because the way we give is not just what's going on at the local church. It's when you see a a, a very poor, impoverished person in the community and God may quicken your heart to be able to help them with groceries. If you're in debt up to your eyeballs, you can't do that. We can't really be the body of Christ because we've already leveraged our future. We've done what Jefferson said don't do. We've spent our money before we actually had it. Okay, Are you getting anything out of this this morning? Last thing, we're done. Two things, as we said, reveal your heart quicker than anything else. And that is our calendar and our checkbook. I want you to understand this first fruits principle. The tithe is not about a legalistic 10%. It's about giving to God first thing. It's about the best of the flock first. It's, it's not just under the law. Don't let somebody tell you, well, the tithe is under the, uh, the Mosaic law and we're not under that anymore. No, the tithe was in the garden. It was called the tree that God said, you can have all those, but that one's mine. That's the tithe. Leviticus 27 says the tithe is the Lord's. It is holy to Him. It belongs to Him. When I pay my tithe, I'm not giving anything. I'm paying what God is already His. Now let me help you this morning. There are people sitting here in the room who struggle with this and you have a real hard time giving God 10%, but you don't struggle a bit giving MasterCard Visa 18 to 25%. Now, this is where visitors, you just close your ears, okay? But I'm trying to help folk. We've got to change. We've got to break out of this economic bondage, okay? If you really think that you can manage your dollar and say, I'm going to keep that dime, that 10 cents, and I'm going to keep the whole dollar myself, I can do a better job than if I will obey God and give God the first dime out of that dollar, that 10 cents, because God says, when you put me first, I'm going to put my blessing on the other 90. That means the multiplying effect of God's grace is operating in the other 90%. Now, if you really think you can do it so good that having that extra little 10% will do it for you, you go ahead and have at it. But I want the favor of God on mine. I want the blessing of God. I want the multiplication effect of God's goodness working on mine. He says that if I will do that, Malachi 3.10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and so there may be meat in mine house. And he says, prove me now herewith and see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing upon you that you don't even have enough room to receive it. He said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes and your crops won't get eaten up by the pests. They won't cast the fruit in the field before it's time. People could give testimonies in this room about how God's proven His goodness and His faithfulness because they have tithed and they have offered and God has blessed their socks off. What starts happening for you when you start tithing is it makes you sit down and get a budget. That's the first step toward having financial success right there is when you have an idea of what's going in, what's coming in, and what's going out. And until you do that, you really don't have any control over it. And if you don't have any control, there's no way you can be a faithful steward. And remember you will be accountable.
So we've we, we got to deal with it. We've got to quit running from it. We've got to quit being afraid of our money. You will master your money or your money will master you. Jesus said you can't serve two masters. The only one he ever said that kind of language was about was he said you can't serve God and mammon, God and money. 